It's time for CBJ in 30, presented by Telhio Credit Union. Find us on SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play Music, YouTube, and TuneIn. The easiest thing to do is tell Alexa or Siri to play CBJ in 30. Here's your host, Bob McGilligan. Welcome to another Monday Mailbag edition of CBJ and 30 presented by Telhio Credit Union and what a difference a week makes. Remember last week when we got together for this, the expansion draft was yet to come. There was a lot of worry about who the Blue Jackets might lose. They might lose Max Domi in the expansion draft. They protected Eric Robinson. That was okay, but Domi was out there. What if you lose Dean Kukin? What's going to happen there on defense with other defensemen having already gone and others wanting to go? And then, of course, there was the entry draft, and there were potential trades. All of that was a week ago, and now so much of it has come to fruition. I'm going to tell you about that. I'm going to answer all of your questions. All of that is on the way right after I tell you about Telhio Credit Union, because they are what makes this work. Well, them and you is exactly what makes this work. Hey, how do you become a member of a credit union? It's a very easy thing to do, and... It can be a smart thing to do. Find out if it's a smart thing for you to do by going to tellhio.org and reading up on the benefits of becoming a member of a credit union. And at Telhio Credit Union, you can find out how you can join uh, one of their choice checking accounts or prime checking accounts, which one of those works for you. If you need a loan, maybe you're looking at a new home, maybe you're looking at a used car, maybe it's something for your business, they can help you with that. And speaking of business, your business banking can all be taken care of by Telhio Credit Union. So go to their website at telhio.org. Just start to click around on the different tabs to find out all of the information about them. If there's something you cannot find, well, during business hours, there is uh, some help that you can get. You can just click for help right on your screen. Live chat, somebody will come up on the screen and help you to navigate and find the answers to your questions. Telhio Credit Union, they're federally insured by NCUA. Find them on the web at tellhio.org. All right, here we go. Leading up to your questions, let's just go right through here. It was Gavin Bayreuther that was taken by the Seattle Kraken in the expansion draft. So that did not hurt the Blue Jackets whatsoever. Bayreuther, a depth defenseman, the guy that was an unrestricted free agent anyway. They probably would have signed him to a two-year contract, but they don't have that as an option now because – he was selected by the Seattle Crack, and he will go to them. Ron Francis, the general manager in Seattle, he didn't take a lot of the big names that were available out there, and there were some big ones like Carey Price, didn't take him. Decided to go with Chris Dreger, who was in Florida with the Panthers, and use him as the uh, centerpiece goalie. And by the way, I don't have a problem with that. And listen, Carey Price is one of the best that's ever played. He makes $10.5 million a year. There are many times you can get away with paying far less at that position, depending upon the team you have in front of you. And what Seattle did is they really drafted well when it comes to defense. They will defend well. The question is, can they score? And I don't know that they can with the roster that they selected with the expansion draft picks, but free agency starts this week, and they've got about $29 million in salary cap space. They can find some guys to score with that money, no doubt. So anyway, Bayreuth are gone. Domi's still here. Kukin's still here. Everything's good. So that was one day. The next day, the, the trade freeze ends. The Blue Jackets don't get anything done with Seth Jones. Comes to Friday, the NHL entry draft on Friday. And lo and behold, about an hour before the draft was to start, then the Blue Jackets and the Blackhawks pulled the trigger on the Seth Jones deal. Adam Boquist comes the other way. From Chicago, good young defenseman. Yarmo Kekalainen has stated that he feels that he can run a power play. They're looking for that, desperately looking for power play people that can execute. They feel that he can. So that's a young NHL defenseman that comes over in that deal. The Blue Jackets also get the number 12 pick overall. They wound up turning that into Cole Sillinger a little bit later in the night, which was a great pick. Uh, they also wound up with a second-round pick that they immediately sent to the Carolina Hurricanes in exchange for young NHL defenseman Jake Bean, who I thought in the last number of times the Blue Jackets played against the Hurricanes, 
this year. I thought that guy was pretty good for a young defenseman. Well, I remember thinking to myself, who is this guy? And how's he getting so much time on a team that has so many good defensemen? So now he's a Blue Jacket. So the Blue Jackets trade, they're arguably, arguably their top defenseman. And I say arguably because Zach Wierenski is pretty good. Arguably their top defenseman goes. They get, they get one back, a young prospect that's had a couple of years in the league. And then they get a pick that they turn into another NHL defenseman. So they got two NHL defensemen by trading one. They got a first round pick that they turned into Cole Sillinger. They got another later pick that they were able to bring a player in and they get a pick next year in the first round. Now for Seth Jones, he goes to Chicago. He plays with his brother. And Oh, by the way, he's going to get an eight year, nine and a half million dollar per year contract. It's going to make 76 million bucks. Hopefully it's a win-win for everybody. And if somebody's going to be on the short end of the stick, when it's all over, hopefully it's the Blackhawks. I've been le- reading. I've been reading. Try that again. I've been reading a lot of things coming out of Chicago. I don't think the writers are right all the time, but there is a sense that many of them feel that the Blackhawks overpaid in this deal. And you think about the last couple of deals that the Blue Jackets have had with the Chicago Blackhawks. Remember a couple of years ago, out of nowhere, Yarmo Kekalainen gets Brandon Saad. Artem Anisimov went the other way in that deal. And that, uh, yeah, I wasn't a big fan of that because I thought he was a very good, responsible centerman for the Blue Jackets. But you were getting Brandon Saad, who had a couple of Stanley Cup rings. That didn't work out. And when it was recognized it wasn't going to work out, then an even bigger surprise occurred when they flipped him back to Chicago for Artemi Panarin, who was a way better player. And even though the Panarin thing didn't work out here long-term, now you've got the Jones deal, and there are people in Chicago wondering if that was the right deal to make. So the Blue Jackets, I think they've, I think Yarmo Kekalainen has kind of gotten the best of Stan Bowman twice, and maybe yet a third time. We'll have to wait and see. It'll play itself out over the years. But Chicago, that's a lot of money. It's going to go toward their cap. They have other young players are going to have to sign in these next couple of years. Alex Dabrinkit. Kirby Doc, um, you know, they're looking to get back to where they were. And Patrick Kane and Jonathan Taze are starting to age out. Taze didn't play at all last year. He's coming back this year. But in any event, I hope it works for Seth Jones. I like Seth Jones. He's one of the best players to ever wear a Blue Jackets jersey. There's no doubt about that. None. I have no animosity toward him. Uh, it was his right to say he wasn't going to resign. Uh, it's his right to go wherever he wants to. I, I saw his, he and his brother were doing uh, media availability on a boat going right through the city the other day. And it looked fabulous. And, you know, bright lights, big city, Seth Jones, uh, that, he wanted it. He's got it. And the Blue Jackets, I, I feel, got a pretty fair return. Would you like to see a Debrinket? Sure. Would you like to see a Doc? Yeah, no doubt. But they weren't going to give those guys up. But you're able to turn it into a young defenseman. There's a lot of upside. As I said, you get Sillinger with your second pick of the night in the first round, and uh, that's not too shabby. Not too shabby at all. You take Cole Sillinger after you've already uh, added a very talented forward with your fifth overall pick. And a pick that I think surprised some people uh, to an extent. I think that um, I, don't, I don't know that people saw the, the Blue Jackets making the pick that they did is uh, as, as high as they did as I guess I should say um, in the spot that they did, but uh, they decided that Kent Johnson was worth taking fifth overall. Um, that was their plan at the beginning. It fell perfectly for them. They got him. They wanted Sillinger. That's why they got the pick they did from the Blackhawks in the Seth Jones deal. He fell to them exactly like they wanted. Doesn't always work that way in the draft that it worked that way for the Blue Jackets on Friday night. And then they finished off their first round by uh, taking a defenseman and Corson Kuhlemans with the 25th overall pick. Now, this is a guy who came out of the Alberta Junior Hockey League. He didn't play very many games. That league got cut short. He didn't play many games, um, but he is seen as a guy he projects to play in the National Hockey League, and he's going to Wisconsin to play next year. So Yarmo Kekalainen uh, seems seems like 
he hit it out of the park on Friday night. They went on, they picked six more players on Saturday and added to the pipeline of the Blue Jackets. But when Saturday came, there was a bigger surprise. Seth Jones had been saying that he wanted out for many, many weeks. Cam Atkinson had said just mere days prior to the entry-level draft that Columbus was his home and he was happy to be here. And by Saturday afternoon, he was a member of the Philadelphia Flyers. Now, he didn't ask for a trade. Blue Jackets made a business move, and they felt that sending Atkinson to the Flyers in exchange for former Blue Jacket, Jake Voracek, to bring him back, they felt that was the better move. Jake makes a little bit more money, but he has one year less on his deal. And he's a little bit younger than Cam, about a year younger than Cam is. So take that for what it's worth. It's almost a wash there. Uh, Voracek had made it known that he wanted out of Philadelphia and he's coming back to a place that he is very comfortable in Columbus. And he's coming back to maybe play on a line with Patrick Laine, which I think is going to help uh, Patrick Laine tremendously. If they wind up playing together, I think that is going to help him out a lot. So if you missed uh, Friday night and Saturday, that's what you missed. The Blue Jackets, their core has changed. There's no question. And it really started when they traded David Savard and Nick Foligno at the end of the season. Now Cam Atkinson and Seth Jones are gone. So there's there are going to be some new sheriffs in town and over the course of the next couple of seasons here. But I'm very excited about what the Blue Jackets did. I I like what they did. I like how they attacked it. Uh, I like that they had a plan. I like that the plan worked out. It was like, uh, if you're old enough to remember watching the A-team, Hannibal Smith used to take that cigar and put it in his mouth and say, I love it when a plan comes together. And that's probably the way the Blue Jackets felt on Friday night when they got out of there. They felt exhausted, but I, I believe that they felt like their plan had come together on Friday. So that's great. Now free agency opens in the middle of the week. We'll see if they add anything there, if, what, and then you'll have a, a much better view of what this franchise is going to look like. But right now it's time for me to get to your questions, whether you sent them to me on Twitter at Bobby Max Sports or whether you sent me an email with a voice question like this one that starts off today's show. Hi, Bob. Jonathan in Grove City here. Uh, after what was really great and exciting Friday night, I felt like Saturday was a bit of a gut punch with Cam Atkinson getting traded away. And I wanted to first by saying how much it just kind of sucks that Atkinson, Felino, Savard, and Tortorella's last year with the team uh, ended with such a little fanfare. Um, after all that they've done for the organization, for the city, um, for them all to kind of leave with with empty stands. I think that's just really sucks for both the fans and the players and, and Tortorella. So um, just disappointing there um, to see this era end in such a terrible way. Uh, that being said, kind of trying to move forward here and look towards the future. Uh, how many years away do you think that we are from being relevant, to be honest? Because it doesn't seem like this coming year is probably going to be much of anything you know, maybe maybe a, a year or two from there. Do you think that, that they're trying to try to plan on maybe three years out from now right now? I know you hate speculating towards the future, um, but to be honest, that's kind of all we can really do right now because the, the immediate future doesn't look great. And then the second thing I wanted to ask about, which I'm sure you'll probably get some questions about, is do you think that the Jackets should try to sign uh, either Philip Deneau or uh, Alexander Wenberg, of all people, in the this offseason uh, to try to bring them in because the center position is going to be very thin, especially with Domi out for at least a month, um, and just seeing if, if we need to bolster up the center, or do you just say we're going to throw our young guys into that position and uh, this year is going to be what it is, and we're looking forward to a great draft next year. So, you know, I know it's a kind of a mixed bag, a lot of emotions right now, um, and uh, just hope, hope to start looking towards the future. Well, you're right, and I've said uh, many times that, I don't want to talk about the future. I don't want to talk about draft picks. I don't want to talk about any of that stuff. But Jonathan, when I was saying that, it was it was because the Blue Jackets had a team that appeared as though it was ready to win now. The team that they're going to have this year, I wouldn't totally count them out, but are they going to be as talented uh, as the team that was here two years ago? No, they're not. That's a hands-down truth, in my opinion. Uh, they're going to be different. 
And I'm not going to say they're going to struggle because if this team plays the way that they have played when they've had the most success, and that is together, that is as a unit and not as a bunch of pieces, uh, they still have a chance to compete, I believe, in this division. And this is a tough division. Obviously, look, the Rangers are getting better. Uh, the Flyers think they got better with the moves they made, not just getting Cam Atkinson uh, for Jake Voracek. But, um, you know, they they made changes to their blue line. They think they're better there. Uh, you've got the New York Islanders. It just went deep in the playoffs. They've lost some guys, but Barry Trotz, his team plays the same all the time. Uh, you've got Washington, who is just a couple of years off of Stanley Cup. Uh, as long as they have Ovechkin, they still have some magic. As long as the Penguins still have Malkin and Crosby and Latang, they still have some magic, whether you want to admit it or not, they do. So it's going to be tough, but if this team gives it the old blue collar, let's go get them type thing, then I wouldn't, I wouldn't count them all the way out. You're going to have Voracek and Lining. You're going to have Gus Nyquist back as a healthy guy. You've got Boone Jenner. Um, Domi will be out for a bit, as you said, but uh, there are, there are other guys. Bemstrom's got to step up. Texier's got to step up. Those again, those are facts. And you got a couple of guys that played over in Europe that are going to get their first kick at the can to play in the national hockey league. They've had great success in the European leagues. Uh, if they can come in and mirror that a little bit in this league, that'll be great. Uh, you've got Boquist that's going to come in. That'll play on defense. You've got uh, Kukin stays around. You've got Gavrikov. You got Wierenski. Andrew Peak is going to get more time now this year. So in your goaltending, look, as I talk to you right now, both goaltenders are still here. So you're good in that department too. So don't count them out, but they're going to have to work for it. There's no question. They're going to have to work for it. Now, when you're talking about the talent that they just acquired in the draft, you know, that's probably not next year, but year after, uh, maybe two years after, I hope a year after, but maybe two years after, I don't know. We'll see how that goes. Funny you mentioned Alexander Wenberg. I was thinking about him because during the season last year, I talked with numerous people during games and uh, we had the same opinion that if Wenberg was playing with Patrick Line, what a good combination that that could have been because Wenberg loves to pass Line only shoots. I mean, he can pass, but you want him to shoot. So get somebody to lay him that puck. And again, I think Jake Voracek's going to do that uh, a lot. I think he's going to do it a lot. But, um, you know, Wenberg, it's, it's just interesting you bring that up because that had crossed my mind about how he might work here. I don't know if you want to bring everybody back that is left here, but knowing how he plays and what you're looking for, that's why it uh, came to the forefront in my mind. And I would imagine that's probably why it came to the forefront in your mind as well. Philip Dano, this is a good question about him. And I've got another question here from Joshua Kirk that I got on Twitter that is similar. Uh, Joshua saying there have been rumors that the Blue Jackets could potentially try to sign Philip Deno in free agency. He was a big shutdown guy for Montreal in the playoffs. Do you think he'd be a smart fit if it really would be Voracek and Line a on the top line this year? Philip Deno turned down an offer reportedly by, from the uh, Montreal Canadiens. I think the, the offer was five-something a year. He might be too pricey for you, especially where you are right now. Uh, but he is, to me, he does epitomize the way the Blue Jackets play when they play their brand of hockey. Defensive, uh, you've got to be responsible in the middle. Right now, you're looking at uh, Jack Roslovic as a centerman who is trying to learn how to be a two-way guy. You've got Max Domi, who wound up on the wing because he hasn't been good enough of a two-way guy. You've got Alexander Texier, who's learning how to be a two-way guy. You've got Boone Jenner, who you'd like to see on the wing because that's where he's had the most success in his career, but you've got to put him at center because of Domi's injury and all of the other things that I just talked about. So you've got Kevin Stenlin, who just hasn't been consistent enough to, to get off that fourth line assignment. So would that be a good fit? It would be a good fit under the right circumstances and under the right dollar figure, in my opinion. That's, you know, he's a guy that I think you'd love to have him. But can you have him uh, with the money it's going to take and the term it's going to take and, and all of that? 
So that's what we'll we'll see. And the Blue Jackets aren't going to be the only team going after that guy once free agency opens here in a couple of days. Uh, but Elliot Friedman of Sportsnet, who is one of the the big rumor breakers in in the league, you know, he said on a Thirty One Thoughts podcast last week that anytime a center is talked about, the first team he thinks about is the Blue Jackets, and that's because they're so weak at that position. They tried to get stronger there through the draft, but again, you're looking at Johnson and Sillinger who are at least a year away from even coming in to help you. Maybe. Johnson, definitely. Sillinger, uh, I don't know. I have. I want to see uh, – I've seen his highlights, and I've heard about his character and all that stuff, so I guess the jury might be out there. I think Johnson uh, definitely is going to go to Michigan this year, and uh, those guys – Michigan is on a mission. Speaking of that, Angry Ginger says, who's going to be the first player that we acquired this past weekend to be on the show? Genuinely curious. Keep up the good work. I would say the first one to be on the show. I talked to um, the first two picks the other night after they were selected. So I'm not going to uh, count that by any means. I'm going to, I'm going to leave that. I'm going to leave that to itself. Okay because Kent Johnson talked with me after he was picked and then Cole Sillinger talked with Jody Shelley and I. So that those are different shows for this show, probably Jake Voracek. And because he's uh, an easy conversation. I've talked with a guy now for 12 years. I've been in this league. Uh, the first two of them, when he was here with the blue jackets day in and day out. So that, that makes it, uh, that makes it a very easy conversation. So I would say, that it would probably be Jake that would be on this show first. Um, Jody would like to know, or first starts out by saying, really thought Yarmo did a great job with the draft this year. Hopefully one of these guys, we don't have to wait too long to be NHL ready. Which of the top three do you think might be ready in the future? They're all going to be ready in the future, but if you're asking me first and, and quickest, again, I'm going to lean towards Sillinger being the guy with the most potential to be ready the quickest. Just, just how I feel about it. So we uh, we wait and see. John Poston says it's been tough swallowing the fact that Cam Atkinson is no longer with the Blue Jackets. But I know listening to you over the years that you're a big fan of Jake Voracek as a player and as a person. You must be really happy to have him back around, right? Yes, I am. But don't misinterpret that that I am excited that Cam Atkinson is no longer here. Cam's been here for a long time. Sixth round pick, fought his way to everything that he accomplished here. Had a fight for it day in and day out. Small guy, nothing given to him, and he achieved. When you look at franchise records, many of them will read Rick Nash, Cam Atkinson right underneath them. Um, he has been a pleasure to be around for all of these years. He has been a true pro in everything that he has done. He's been a great Blue Jacket, and he just – has become a Columbus guy. You know, he has so many things going on outside of the rink as well as what he does inside the rink. Uh, he is going to be missed in this community. So I, I am very excited that Jake Voracek is coming back. I'm excited because I worked with him before. I know how fun he is. I love to be around the guy and he's still a great player. So that's why I'm excited about that. Uh, this has the potential to be a win-win for both franchises. You know, Jake didn't want to be in Philadelphia anymore. He's coming back here to a place that he's very comfortable and uh, he still has good friends here. He said it, you know, Rick Nash, he played with Rick. He played with Derek Dorsett, played with Jared Bull. They're all in the organization now in different roles, but they're all still here. So for Jake, it's a, a place he's comfortable coming back to. And I think he'll do some very good things here. And as I said, I wouldn't be surprised if, part of, or even all of the idea of getting him back here was to help to raise the value of Patrick line. Whether that means he raises that value to where you keep line on a long-term deal eventually, or you raise his trade value either way. doesn't matter if you can get that done. And if he's the guy to do it, then go out and get that guy and have him do it. So yeah, I'm, I'm happy that Jake's the guy that came back. It's uh you personally, it's a comfort level, but I just, I know the guy, I love the guy, and I know he loves being here. 
And if you saw any of his media availability that he did on Saturday, that was very, very obvious. This is a place that he is happy to come to. Uh, Jason Messick has this question, and he says, this is a general question. If a player waives his no-trade clause and he's traded to a new team, is the no-trade clause still valid for the rest of the contract length? That is a good question. And um, I, well, I'll tell you this. If they have to have one of those modified no-trades or no-movement clause, and so maybe they have like 10 teams they can't get traded to, if it's that situation, then if they are if they're traded to a team that is allowable, that no trade clause moves right along with them. So uh, that is that case. Um, but as far as if they waive it, if they waive it, I I think if they waive it, then it's then it's waived, then it's it's gone. Even when you go to the next team. And if I'm wrong on that, I apologize, but I, I think that's the way that it goes. But if you are, I, I know that if you're on, if you have to turn in a list, if you, if you say, look, you can trade me anywhere, but these places, and then you trade them to one of the places that's allowed, then that no movement clause definitely goes right along with them to that new team that they are going to be a part of. All right. Let me see. Let me see. Let me see. What else do I have here? Um, Justin Needham says, after an almost complete changing of the guard in Columbus this past weekend, who are the Blue Jackets most likely to target in free agency on Wednesday? Again, this is a um, – Deneau jumps out there. You know, will they will they take a swing at something big uh, or won't they? I'm not sure, Justin. I'm not getting a, a great read again. Actually, you know what? Let me, let me read this question, and I'll – kind of answer both of them at the same time because James says you've talked a lot about rebuild versus retool do you believe that Yarmo has stayed to his word of retool and I think that right now this is looking more like a rebuild now you can call it anything you want to I guess I mean you can retool for two years from now or you can retool for two months from now but uh, this looks like a rebuild to me so with that being said and this is where it kind of answers your question, Justin. I, I don't know if you're really going after big fish in this thing or not, or just, you know, maybe another a good qualified defenseman, or maybe you're just going to bring back a defenseman that you had uh, that's got a lot of experience. So I'm not exactly sure what the, what the mindset is and where they're going on that right now, but I think it'll become pretty obvious pretty quickly um speaking of that Siebes says now that the draft is over do you believe the blue jackets will re-sign michael delzato and or miko letnan or are they maybe not as necessary now with the bean and boquist additions uh i personally and we went through this last year and i went through this whole defending thing and then right after i did he got scratched so take this for what it's worth i like michael delzato being around uh, if you could get another one-year deal out of him, I would take it. I thought he was good for this team last year. I think he's versatile. He can play top pair. He can play bottom pair. Um, he can do a lot of things. He can help you get out of your zone. He seemed to like it here. He always talked about how much he liked it here in the time that he was here. I think that he is a guy that, without the COVID restrictions, is going to help you even more to bring your team together because he likes to have fun. He has been around the league a long time. He knows how to have that fun and do it responsibly and bring people together to enjoy things. And he said last year that that was one of the toughest things for him to deal with because he's a people guy and you weren't allowed to be around people. So I, I think that uh, I think they'll look at him. I would look at him. I would, I would bring him back if he was, uh, if he was available. I saw another thing yesterday where, Bill Guerin in Montreal, or Montreal, Bill Guerin in Minnesota was talking about Ian Cole, another former Blue Jacket. And, you know, saying they were talking to him about re-signing and Guerin said he didn't know if Cole would or not. Now, remember when he left a couple of years ago, it was, uh, that was tough to take because there wasn't that much difference in the money the Blue Jackets were offering and the Avalanche was offering. 
but he decided to go to Colorado as a free agent. It turned out to be a great move because Gabrikov came right in and slotted with Savard and made up a very good pair. And, you know, it wasn't that you didn't notice the loss of Ian Cole, but it, you didn't notice it as much because Gabrikov played so well with Savard a couple of years ago. Now Savard is out of the picture. And again, I, I don't want to bring back everybody that's ever played here, but Ian Cole, he was like, you know, he and David Savard, they were two of a kind. I mean, they were the lumberjackets, right, when they were here. So I don't know what the price tag would be for him. And I know Bill Guerin really wants to keep him in Minnesota, so I don't know if he would even be on the list at the end of the day or not. I got an email here from Mark, um, and here's what Mark said. He wants to break this down. He's thought this out a lot, so bear with me here. It says, on the Jones trade, Yarmo nailed it. That's not the issue. My feelings are of betrayal. Uh, Jones said he wasn't willing to resign because he wanted to test the market, and I get that. Then he's traded to Chicago and agrees to an eight-year deal, stating he wanted to play for a winning organization, and that's why he didn't ex- sign an extension in Columbus. Most Blue Jackets fans are angry. In my opinion, if he'd come out and said he loved it here but didn't want to be a part of the rebuild in his prime, I get it. He did not do that, and I hope he never wins a cup. So Mark is mad, obviously. He's mad at Seth Jones for not being completely transparent. And I understand that, but but I, they got his brother. That had to be enticing for him. It's an original six franchise. It's a big city where he should be able to market himself, himself very well. Uh, I, I don't blame him. And, you know, when you say, I think sometimes if you say, I don't want to be a part of a rebuild, it says the same thing. It, it, it would, you say that wouldn't make you mad, but I think it would still make you mad. And you're going to tell me, yeah, but at least he's being honest. Well, you know, I, he's, He's not exactly lying here. He's like, you know, a little white lie, maybe, or it's not really bad, devastating lie. But he, but listen, here's the thing. He, um, we all knew this was coming. He didn't hide it. You know, he, he didn't, he didn't say, he didn't lead you to believe that he would change his mind. So to me, from that standpoint, he was upfront and honest about it. They did what they had to do. And then he signed the deal. I mean, yeah, I, I would say, too, I'm going to go uh, unrestricted free agent. I'm going to hit the market, and I want to see what I can get. And then somebody says, well, I'll tell you what you can get right now, $76 million, guaranteed. And my last two years haven't been as good as some of the previous years, and this last year especially wasn't very good at all. And I'm not saying that he's lost it, and I'm not saying he's not a great player or none of that. I'm not saying that. Some people are. I'm not saying that. But if I'm in that situation, I've got that 76 guaranteed right now deal. It's like Howie Mandel, you know, Stan Bowman might've, might as well have been Howie Mandel, $76 million, Seth Jones deal or no deal. I'd take that deal too. money in hand. Boom. Done. Guaranteed. See ya. I'm going to be here. My brother's here. I get to play with him. Families together. Great city. Great paycheck. Taxes aren't going to be great. I'll tell you that. Taxes would have been better in Dallas. Not in Illinois. Texas would have been better from that standpoint. But anyway, you're making 76 million. You deal with it, I guess. I'll never know, but I guess. So anyway, Mark, that's you're upset with Seth Jones. I get it. Next, the draft. Holy moly, what a draft. Uh, is Sillinger the first father-son duo to be part of the organization? I think so, says Mark, and yeah, I think so. Yes. Uh, Now on to Cam Atkinson. Mark says, this one really hurt. I thought he'd be the captain. Mr. Columbus for sure. Traded for another player who didn't want to leave, uh, but Cam really wanted to be here. I thought we wanted players who wanted to be here, so I'm confused, but I also get it on the hockey side. One year younger, one year less on the term, more production. It just really hurts. I apologize for the rant. I think you get what I'm feeling, though. Confused. <laughs> yes, Mark. I do get it. I understand the confused feeling. And that, yeah, you want players that want to be here, but it is still a business. And you've got to, do, here's the thing about Cam. 
and I've already told you how much I love Cam, but Cam has got to have somebody setting him up. He's not driving it himself, right? When Artemi Panarin was here, he had the two best years of his career. Coincidence? I think not. So he needs somebody getting him the puck, and then he's going to finish it. And right now, he's not the only guy that's looking for somebody to give him the puck, and he's not finishing. So he he can't. He's not going to carry it. Voracek is a guy that could create and set up line A. Uh, Cam is more of the finisher. There's nobody creating and setting up for him. So, you know, ironically, Voracek and Atkinson would have worked well, I think, one setting up the other one. But you're that's not happening. So he's going to go to Philly, and he'll have some guys that can set him up, and I think he's going to have success in Philly. It's going to be closer to home, and – you know, that'll be nice for him. And if he doesn't have success in Philly, then, you know, they will, uh, the fans there will let him know about it every day from the moment he wakes up until the moment he goes to sleep. That's just how they are. Uh, here's uh, the final thing comes from, uh, it's on Twitter from Troy is the worst. Troy says, does the Seth Jones trade remind you of the Rick Nash trade? No, no, it doesn't. It, it doesn't because the Seth Jones trade was, and maybe this goes back to Mark's point that he was not happy with it, but, you know, Rick Nash basically said, this isn't going anywhere and maybe I can help you out by you moving me and getting some pieces and, you know, trying to jumpstart what you have here. It's not going to happen while I'm here. So why don't you let me go and have a chance and, in return, you're going to get enough that you should have a chance. And that worked. That worked on both sides. Rick Nash played in the Stanley Cup final. Uh, the Blue Jackets wound up starting to turn it around with that trade. But Rick Nash went, and that was that's how that whole thing was was um, portrayed. Anyway, that's that's how it all came out. This is this is what it is. This guy doesn't want to be here, but he's he's saying he's going to help us. And it did help when it was all said and done. Seth Jones, even though it may have been the same thing, he just said, nah, I'm not not willing to resign there. I mean, we knew. I, th- I think we could all look at the tea leaves and see that the uh, where the team is right now is part of it. But there's another part of it right now. And it wasn't the case when Rick Nash was going to the New York Rangers, even though he did go to the Rangers – there are, I, I think it's changed. It's just changed. And I think this was in a uh, Pierre Lebrun article in The Athletic yesterday. I saw a quote from Yarmo talking about this, and he's absolutely right. And we've talked about it here, and we'll talk about it again right now. There's some players that just want to go to the big cities, to the, to the really big cities or hotbeds. You know, I could see Seth Jones wanting to be in Chicago, wanting to be in L.A. Uh, if he was in Dallas, it would be because that's where he's from. That's where he lives in the offseason. Players are going to start to go to places that they want to go. The uh, loyalty that once was prevalent in the league uh, may go by the wayside to an extent. And guys just want to become free agents. Maybe they want to play somewhere different. Maybe they want to play with a buddy. Maybe they just want more money and that's okay. That's their right. So it doesn't remind me of the Nash thing. Maybe the the final result will remind me in the hall of players and picks and all of that stuff. But the situation, the two situations in my opinion are different. They're not the same. Again, the end result might be the same, but to answer your question, they, it doesn't remind me. One doesn't remind me of the other one as we sit here right now. So that's what I think. All right. So Wednesday free agency, what will the blue jackets do when it comes to free agency? Will they, uh, you know, are they going to add, are they going to add just a little, or are they going to try to add something big? Do they like what they have? How much more do they think they need? Uh, those questions will be answered. I think those questions will be answered pretty quickly uh, when we get to the middle of the week. Uh, also, the goaltending situation. 
Jonas Corposalo and Elvis Merzlikens are both still here. Is anybody going to get traded before this uh, training camp starts? Or are they going to wind up with these same two guys? Now, some really interesting things have happened with goalies. Right now, Carolina doesn't have a goalie. They traded Nedeljkovic to Detroit for the rights for Jonathan Bernier. But Bernier's not signed. Peter Morazic, who was their other goalie, he's not signed. James Reimer's not signed. Right now, they literally have no goalie that is signed. Now, that will, I mean, that'll change. Somebody's going to get signed. No doubt about that. Philadelphia. Uh, with Philadelphia, uh, Chuck Fletcher was asked on NHL Network on Saturday, with Carter Hart being the goalie of the future, is what's going on with the backup situation there? Is Brian Elliott going to be the guy, or what are you going to do? And he was non-committal on that. Buffalo, of course, needs goaltenders. Uh, Linus Ulmark is not signed. They just picked up a young goaltender when they sent Sam Reinhart to the Florida Panthers this weekend. But they are in need. Uh, the Pittsburgh Penguins, they don't seem to know what they're doing with their goaltending situation. They've got Tristan Jari, who fell apart in the playoffs. They've got Casey DeSmith uh, sharing time with him. I think they would like to have uh, a guy that's got a little bit more um, seasoning behind them and try to put a little bit of pressure on Tristan Jari. You know, they're, I've seen reports about Darcy Kemper maybe going in that situation. Yaroslav Halak is 36 years old, a lot of experience and some good experience. He's leaving Boston. He's going to be out there. Freddie Anderson from the uh, Toronto Maple Leafs is going to be out there. So there are a lot of goalies that are still on the market. And, um, and we'll see how that shakes out. And we'll see how that actually affects uh, the Blue Jackets and what they want to do and possibly trading one of their goaltenders or, or these other guys moving around going to going to affect whether or not the Blue Jackets are able to move one of those guys. Uh, a couple other tidbits here. Free agency. When's the last time you heard Nick Felino's name? Is Nick Felino coming back to the Blue Jackets? I say, and I told you this before, I, I told you way back when, not to, not to count on it because of a couple situations. Uh, the number one thing was, could he play with his brother in Minnesota? Because that would have appeal to him. Number two was, is somebody going to give him, he's only going to get X amount of, you know, decent money contracts. He only has so many left. And I don't even know if that's one or two or three. But anyway, if somebody gives him a lot more money than the Blue Jackets were going to, then he would have to look at that. I said that months ago. And it's really looking like uh, that he might play with the, the Minnesota Wild and with his brother Marcus. And it wouldn't surprise me. And, hey, all his buddies are gone here. Cam's gone. Savard's gone. Um, you know, Seth's gone. So do you really want to come back and, and be a part of this? Do you need him to come back and be a part of this right now? I don't think, I don't think that you do. I really don't. And I, I just think if he gets the opportunity to play with his brother, he is absolutely positively going to play with his brother, just like Seth decided to do and uh, play with his brother in Chicago. Uh, let's see. Uh, what else do we have here? Oh, Matt Calvert retired this week. I can't forget that. What a, what a great individual, what a tough, hard nosed hockey player and, when you want to talk about somebody that gave it everything they had and then found a way to give you even more, that was Matt Calvert. Matt Calvert will stand out here forever. I was joking with somebody the other day. I said, do you think Calvert will come back to work in the organization like Dorsett and Latestu? And, oh, maybe not because he actually fought Rick Nash. <laughs> and we'll never forget that night. If you were there the night that Rick Nash came back to Columbus for the first time and how he got in on Sergei Bobrovsky and then Bobrovsky went after him and then Calvert ended up fighting him. It was, it was an incredible night. That's, it's one of the nights I will never forget. One of the games I will never forget calling that game when Rick Nash came back to nationwide arena. It was, it was amazing. It had all the drama in theater that any production would and should have. It really did. And so Matt Calvert, for that fight alone, he'll never be forgotten. But 
the real reason he'll never be forgotten, let's just be honest about it. Have you ever seen a guy get hit in the head and busted open and get wrapped up like a, like a mummy? His head was wrapped up like a mummy. His head was wrapped up like they used to wrap him up on uh, the old cartoons or in the old movies, you know, like on the Three Stooges or something like, you know, where it was like somebody was hurt, but they were going to make it kind of a funny type thing, you know? He looked ridiculous with these bandages around his head. He came out with those bandages and the helmet on top of it, and he scored a shorthanded goal to win the game. Hero for life. Congratulations, Matt Calvert, on a great career. I will miss watching you play. And Matt, if you do want to come back here, I know you're a good talker. I know you're a good talker. Come sit with me, man. I would love that. I would love that. Uh, what else do the Blue Jackets have to do this week? Uh, the unrestricted free agents they have in the system, by the way, going into Wednesday, Zach Dalpy, Stefan Mateau, Ryan McInnes. Talked about Michael Delzato and Miko Lettman and also Adam Clendenning. So those are the in-house guys that they'll look at and some they will go after, some they will not. And something just made me think there was, a, I had another question that I forgot about and I do want to get to it. Dylan asked the question, sorry, Dylan, it almost slipped my mind. It almost got lost in the mix, but not quite, not quite. Dylan says, who do you think will be the Blue Jackets captain next year? I don't know that they're going to go with a captain. I could see this being one of those situations where they might let it ride for a year. But if they were going to, if they were going to name one, this is what I think. For years, I thought that Boone Jenner would be the next captain of the Columbus Blue Jackets. Even when Nick Felino first got it, and I had a talk with Nick once upon a time before he got the, the captaincy. We were in a hotel on the road and I just ran into him in the lobby and it was, nobody was around. And I asked him, I said, you know, I knew how much he wanted it. And I said, you know, even if you had it for a couple of years and then they asked you to turn it over to somebody when they were ready and, and it was the right thing. I mean, you're a pro, you would do that. Right. And of course he said, yeah, because what was he going to say? Are you out of your mind? I'm never giving that up once I get that. But anyway, you know, and, and that was to, at that time I was asking him, I was thinking, you know, maybe Boone gets a little bit groomed a little bit more than that would be the direction to go. And then Seth Jones just came on with that leadership. And, and then I've said for the past couple of years, this guy's going to be the next captain of the Blue Jackets. Now that was thinking that he wanted to stay. So if there is a captain, my prediction would be Boone Jenner. And am I going out on a limb here? No, he's been an assistant. The other assistants are gone. The captain's gone. He is, you know, he's the guy. He's been the steadiest guy for years and years and years. So um, if somebody gets it, I think he'll get it. It wouldn't surprise me if they give it to no one and just let it ride for a while. And uh, I guess the only other thing is now, the, the only big question, nobody's really saying this. I mean, we talked about it before, but let's talk about it again. Zach Wierenski, to me, becomes the most important guy in this organization. Can you get Zach Wierenski to say, yeah, I want to be here. I want to go through this with you. And I want, because that's another guy that could wind up with that C on his jersey. That's another guy. Is he going to commit? Is he going to want to stay here? I mean, personally, where I am right now with him, watching everybody else go, remember, this guy had 20 goals from the blue line, okay? Two years ago, he had 20 goals. This is a guy that I go to and I say, all right, listen, man, we want to build this around you. We'll, uh, we'll give you the term, we'll give you the money and we'll give you the captaincy. And I don't know that he wants that, but I think he could be good at it. I really do think that he could be good at it. I think he would be a good representative. Uh, he speaks well, he plays well. So I think he could handle that job. So uh, Boone Jenner looks to be the, the logical shoe in, especially if you go and do it right away this year, but don't count out Zach Wierenski could be part of a big package. Quite honestly, could be part of keeping him here long-term and uh, continuing to watch him shoot that puck from the blue line. 
So it'll be a busy week, another busy week. And as things happen, as we did this week with, um, you know, the, the whole big hockey night in Columbus deal that we did leading up to the draft and uh, Jody and I bringing the, the trade analysis to you on Saturday, when it happens, we're going to bring it to you. Bluejackets.com, the Blue Jackets app, Blue Jackets YouTube, Blue Jackets Facebook, wherever. You'll be able to find it all over the place. And if you missed that hour-long presentation we had leading up to the draft the other night, well, you'll be able to find that wherever you find this podcast because it'll be there. And if you haven't had a chance to listen to it, I thought it was great. Not only was it Jody and John Luke and Jeff Rimmer and Dylan Tyre and uh, Oliver Bjorkstrand and Jack Roslovic, and it, it turned out to be the last Blue Jackets appearance by Cam Atkinson. Uh, but also Nasher, who uh, hosts a lot of streams on or for the NHL. He hosts a lot of streams, a lot of video game streaming. He has his own YouTube channel. Uh, he's from here. He's from here. And he's making a killing in this sport. And he has got a great personality. And he co-hosted with me. And I loved every minute of it. It was so much fun. And by the way, if you came out to the draft party the other night, thank you. Because you made it so special. It was so great to have so many people in the building and, and there was the reaction and the laughs and the cheers and the boos and everything about, and when I say the boos, do I mean the boo or do I mean the cheap boos? I mean, both. <laughs> it was all great. And I, I, we hope you had a good time. I know that all of us on stage, we had a great time. Uh, it was fun to see people back in. There it was so fun to see familiar faces of people that we know and haven't seen in a while. So that was awesome. So thank you for that. But to go back to it as news breaks this week, we will bring it to you. So make sure that you stay on the blue jackets channels and you will be able to get all that. Thank you for your questions this week. As always, they're great questions, insightful, thoughtful. And I know it's been, it's been a rough couple of days. It's the best of times. It's the worst of times, but the blue jackets, they have a plan. I think we can see the plan now, and they acquired skill in the draft. Uh, this is a team that was in some ways devoid of skill, and, and that skill is coming. And now it's going to be hard work and effort and dedication once this camp opens, once they get what they're doing free agent-wise, and then once this camp opens, that's what it's going to be about to be competitive in the Metropolitan Division. So, again, I'll help you through every step of the way. That's going to wrap up this Monday Mailbag edition of CBJ and 30 presented by Tell Ohio Credit Union. Until next time, I'm Bob McElligot saying so long.